Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Come and build the Got to lean on Jesus. Lean it on Jesus. When my heart is heavy. Lean it on Jesus. When my heart is heavy. Got to lean on Jesus. Lean it on Jesus. When a burden down. Lean it on Jesus. Got to lean on Jesus. Lean it on Jesus. Got to lean on Jesus. Lean it on Jesus. That's why every move I make, I keep on leaning on the Lord. Church, every move I make, I keep on leaning on the Lord. Well, every move I make, I keep on leaning on the Lord. I keep on leaning, keep on leaning, keep on leaning on the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Glory, glory. Glory, hallelujah. Glory. Message too? You ready? No, no, not, not okay. today. Okay, okay. Wow, what about the mighty man of PGC? Oh my God. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, yeah. Yeah. God bless you. May God bless you. You gave us rhythm today. Lord, have mercy. I saw moves in here I haven't seen in a long time. Hallelujah. Oh, God is so good, so, so good. I thank God for the privilege of being in worship. And if you've known me an hour, you know that I think there's no place like worship. I thank God for the privilege of worship. And I thank God for growing up in a household where you had to go to church if you were going to go anyplace else. So we were sometimes in church from 8 a.m. to 6 or 7 p.m. because that's the only way my daddy would say you can go out and do something different. But I grew up in the church, and I miss the church when I'm not with the people of God. So I thank God for this privilege, and I do not take it lightly. I would like to thank uh, my PGC family for all of the expressions of love I have received in honor of Pastor Appreciation Month. I have not had a chance to read all of the cards in my mail, but I will. And uh, I just thank the church. I thank you for your love and kindness, and I thank God for the privilege of serving. Yesterday was amazing. Amen. Yesterday was amazing. It was so amazing because it allowed us to see what God has done for us. And one of the things I think we could do a better job with, or I can, is that many of the people in Pleasant Grove Church do not have a good understanding of what God has done. Everybody doesn't know the whole story, the whole truth and nothing but the truth is that we are standing and worshiping in this space, not because everybody believed, but because God is faithful. And the dedication yesterday of our Family Life Center is, 
Not that I am boasting at all. I'm like the Apostle Paul, but I just want you to know that it's not because of us, but it's because of God's faithfulness and favor upon us. So for every day of my life, I plan to give God all the praise and honor and glory because God is blessing us and there is great work for us to do in the name of Jesus. When we moved here what, 15 years ago, I kept asking God, why are we on this corner? Oh my God, we couldn't touch mailboxes. Pastor Joseph and I were going to get arrested at any time. Can't knock on doors and carry. There were so many things you couldn't do. I was asking God, what can we do? And God answered me and said, you can pray for my people and you can love them and you can introduce me to them. And I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. So I praise God. Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, it is time to hear a word from you. And right now, dear God, I pray for wisdom, a fresh anointing from your hand. And I pray, dear God, that you will preach this word and that someone under the sound of my voice might understand what unconditional love looks like and feels like. I ask, oh God, that you dry up any demons or, or any demonic spirits that would come against us during this worship experience. And I ask, oh God, that you will allow us to worship you in spirit and in truth. You are an awesome God. And you are worthy to be praised. Thank you for today, for yesterday, and tomorrow. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. After preaching about the four fragrances of love last week, the Lord led me to focus on unconditional love this week. And I am focused on unconditional love because many of us do not experience unconditional love. We are conditional people. And so I looked at the story of Gideon, and I'm fascinated by this story because Gideon had a challenge put before him, Deacon Ophelia, and he helps us to understand that we cannot do anything from God for God unless we forget about our humanity and work in the spirit. There is no power, Miss Lily, in this body, but the Holy Spirit that lives in me gives me the power to do what God tells me to do. Are you with me? So if you look at Judges, the sixth chapter, and I'll start with the, I know you heard this, but let's hear it again. Gideon said, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is reality and it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait. 
for you to return. Hallelujah. Don't you love it when the Lord said, I will wait. Yes, for you to return. So I call my sermon today, I know God loves me, but what else? I know God loves me, but what else? Unconditional love, whether it's love, support, or surrender, if something's unconditional, it's absolute and not subject to any special terms or conditions. It happens no matter what else happens. And I want us to hear this clearly, that unconditional love means that you love under and in all circumstances. You don't love when you don't have your way. You don't stop loving when you don't get what you want. And breaking it apart, the word unconditional can help you remember its meaning. Combine the prefix un, meaning not, with conditional meaning dependent on something else. And you get an adjective for something that holds true without any conditions attached. Have you ever heard anyone say, yeah, I'll, I'll love you if I can live over here. I'll love you if I can wear this or that. I'll love you if you give me the gifts I want at Christmas. And so as human beings, we are trapped at times because we don't see great models of what the Bible is talking about. The Lord is saying here, unconditional love means I love you regardless of how bad you are, how lazy you are, how disobedient you are. I love you, and I love you, and I will always love you. Now, that does not mean that God approves of everything that we do. It means that God does not break up with us over our bad behavior and when we rob God. You ought to say amen. Because if God would really hold us accountable for all of the things that we do which are not pleasing to God, can you imagine where we would be right now? You see, we need to understand God's unconditional love so that we can give unconditional love to somebody else. You cannot give what you don't know. You cannot preach what you haven't experienced. You cannot witness to what you have not been taught. You cannot pray about what you have not gone to God. You see, unconditional love means that I love God every day, all day. Regardless of what's going on around me, it's my relationship is anchored in love. It is not contingent upon how many people show up at worship. I work for God. I worship God. And if ever I show up over here, Reverend Tony, and the sanctuary is empty, I'm still going to come up here and I'm going to preach the sermon God gave me because it might be somebody around the corner who hears a word from the Lord. We got to get over ourselves and realize when you work for God, you get a great uh, benefit package. Oh, you get life insurance. You get free counseling. You get free coaching. You get fresh anointing. You get a little pamper, I mean, spankle when you don't do the right thing. There's a whisper in your ear when you're robbing the Lord and you know you're tired. That'll be this, and you know you're not doing the right thing. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, you got to do better than that. Hallelujah. Anybody in here ever hear from the Holy Spirit? Have you ever been sitting around telling yourself how wonderful you are? And then the Holy Spirit whispers in your ear, you ain't all of that. I just don't tell what you don't do. I just don't expose you. 
So we need to thank God right now for God's unconditional love. Paul said in Romans 5, 8, that God showed us how much he loved us by having Christ die for us, even though we were sinful. In Ephesians 2, 8, you were saved by faith. God treats us much better than we deserve. This is God's gift to you and not anything that you have done on your own. I am here because of God. You are here because of God. You are not here because of your righteousness and doing what God has asked you to do. But we are here because God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, eight, nine, ten. Our God keeps giving us chances over and over again. And then Paul said in Philippians 2, 1, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Are you tender enough to receive those who are weak? Are you tender enough to love those who are unlovable? Are you tender enough to touch those who are untouchable? Are you tender enough to pray for those who try to despitefully use you? Are you tender enough to be able to say, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. I forgive you because God has forgiven me. It's time to let your grudges go. It's time to clean up your own life so that we can witness in power. You witness in power when you can look at yourself as an example, not what I used to be, but what God is doing for me right now. And it's the flesh we walk in that gets us in trouble. Have you ever heard someone's testimony of how God has spoken to them in a clear way in a particular situation? You always find a few in every small group of church who always have accounts of God's clear voice. Have you ever been sitting around Bible study and one person is talking about their last encounter with the Lord and it was four in the morning and the stars came out and you're sitting there going, oh my God, I've never heard from God like that. Have you ever wondered how God could speak to everyone but you? Does God really speak or is it a mere emotional feeling? Does God, Miss Margaret, really communicate in a clear, sometimes audible voice? And the answer is yes, he does. So what ways does God speak? God speaks through his word. That's why when uh, we say that we're not coming to Bible study, we're only weakening our spiritual position because God speaks to the word. So while you are sleeping in or relaxing or going biking or having a date, Brother James, I know you and Faye have a date every now and then, but every now and then you gotta get in the word so God will speak to you in the word. And many of us wanna skip the word altogether, but God speaks through his word, through the small voice of the Holy Spirit, through the advice and counsel of the men and women of God. Through an audible voice, oh, you hear from God. Through angels, through visions, through circumstances. There is a danger of opening doors to Satan by letting mere circumstances define or dictate our lives. Do not let everybody in your life business. Give it to God first. 
because if you give it to the world and human beings first, then you have already started a lot of trouble. God witnesses through our circumstances. Some of us are in the situation we're in because God needs to get our attention. Oh, you ought to say amen. Some of us are where we are because we don't want to listen to God. There's an inner conviction and there's peace when we hear from God. Is there a danger, though? Can we misinterpret our voice or desire as God's voices? Because sometimes we hear what we like to hear. I believe that it is important to examine communication with God through multiple sources. The word, conviction, circumstances. I believe that one of the greatest benefits of COVID and the Delta variant is that I have had more time to talk to God. And I have seen some things during this period of time that have stirred me up spiritually for life because I've had time to talk to God about my people who don't study, to talk to God about my people who don't pray, to talk to God about my people who don't understand that we need each other to make this journey. Therefore, we have to come together in power and worship God in spirit and in truth. I've had a chance to deal with my own demons and those that want to destroy me by talking back in the name of Jesus. That you might think that you have a hold on me, but I belong to God. And I work for God and I report to God. So if you got something with me, you better go talk to God because I don't have to fight this battle. That's what God does for me. Hallelujah. What does the Bible say? The battle is not yours. Mm -mm, it's the Lord's. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord. God was patient with Gideon because he had, a, had chosen him to defeat the Mennonites, Deacon Geno, and who had impoverished the land of Israel with their constant roads. But Gillian, like many of us, doubted his own abilities. James 1.6 says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Either you believe or you don't. Either you are trying, striving to be a disciple or you're not. Either you're in or out. We can't walk. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. You cannot walk in the middle. You got to choose this day who you will serve. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says to have doubt is to waver in opinion or judgment to be uh, uncertain as to the belief respecting anything, to hesitate in belief, to be undecided as to the truth of the negative or the affirmative. In other words, there is no place for doubt when you say you believe in God. Give your doubts or concerns to the Lord and let the Lord give you the confidence to do what God has called you to do. In other words, God had already given Gideon an assignment. It had nothing to do with how small he was. It had nothing to do with the village he came from. It had nothing to do with his family. God had chosen him for a specific assignment. God has chosen you for a specific assignment. I can't go because I'm not bold enough. I, I can't go because I don't know 
sure enough scripture. You never will. I can't go because they're going to look back at me and not say a word. I can't go because I'm afraid that my testimony and my witness is too weak. I can't go because I don't know enough about God to give testimony of what God has done. I cannot go because I have no confidence. So how can you be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And no confidence. I had a conversation with disciple Bridget this week. She sent a note out. We had our evangelism meeting. And one of our evangelism is our third priority. Worship is number one. Children and youth, number two. Evangelism is third. We have the gift of love, Venetia, but evangelism is our weakness because we are allowing the enemy to speak to us, to tell us what we can't do. And so Sister Bridget sent this note that said the meeting ended and people were in dismay, Faye. And I said, why were they in dismay? She said, well, because they were just a little frustrated about evangelism and what is the difference in evangelism and mission. And I said, well, let's talk about that. The intent of mission or outreach is that I'm taking care of a human need, is that I'm taking care of something like food, shelter, and clothing, and I am just taking care of you and your humanity. But evangelism has an intent, and the intent in evangelism is that I am going to tell you about Jesus at some point in the conversation. And I'm going to let you know that my intent is to introduce you to my Savior, Jesus Christ. And you see, we can be great missionaries and go to Uganda and go to Niger and go to Haiti and all over the world and give people bags of food and give them clothes but never evangelize and talk about Jesus. And so what I realized is the enemy keeps tricking us by having us think that the power of our testimony is not big enough to do God's work. We need to be like Gideon and just get over ourselves. And Gideon had the nerve to ask God, you expect me to go to battle the Midianites? Look at me. God said, I've already looked at you. That's why I know you're the one. God said, I've already picked you out. I've already groomed you. I've already given you the DNA you need. I've already given the mindset that you need. I've already given you the weapons that you need. And it's time for us to step up. Don't tell anybody about my testimony. Tell them about yours. And I said to Sister Briggs, I said, we can start evangelism in our own homes. Because we live with some people who are not saved. We live with some people who don't know Jesus. We can start evangelism in our own families. The numbers of high people who don't believe in the Lord. So you want to practice, practice on your family. You want to practice, practice on your mom and daddy. Practice on your sisters and brothers because we are surrounded by people who don't believe in God. But God makes unlikely choices. Classroom, Preston, Pleasant Grove Church, you gotta be kidding me. The Lord said, No, this is your assignment. Moses was 80. Can you imagine? I love reading about Moses. He was so real. I can't stand these people, Lord. Why did I have to do this, Lord? Why? 
a 17-year-old shepherd boy named David to go against a mature, trained giant like Goliath. Can you imagine if you were the one who had to face Goliath? What would be your excuse? I don't know how to do it. I never had comment of, I don't know, not me, God. A fisherman named Peter that was very impatient. A murderer named Saul of Tarsus and renamed him Paul. If God can take a murderer and make him a missionary, he can take you and turn you into anything at any time. A strange preacher like Jeremiah who kept crying, oh, why can't I get a better assignment? Jeremiah was so real. I love Jeremiah. He said, I'm sick of these people. They don't love you. They don't like you. They don't want to hear your word. And here I am over here preaching all day and all night, all day and all night. They won't say thank you, God. Hallelujah. Oh, and an odd prophet like Ezekiel who preached laying on his side for 390 days, shaving his head and other strange approaches to ministry. How about that wilderness man called John the Baptist, the forerunner of the gospel? His hair was all messed up, kinky and everything, but they said he looks like a man in lamb's wool, but God sent him before Jesus to prepare the way. If God can prepare John the Baptist, God can prepare you. It is not always capability that God looks for. It's our availability. So today I ask PGC, are you available or are you not? In Judges 6, verses 11 and 12, God makes a personal call and addresses Gideon as mighty warrior or man. Hallelujah. You remember your last personal call from God? Yeah, when God tells you to get up. Get over your pity party. Go back over there and try again. Get up. Get on your knees and pray so I can show you what to do. Pick yourself up. Turn yourself around and do what I ask you to do so that you might have power in the name of Jesus. It's time for us to have power. It's time for us to exercise our spiritual power. We don't need more guns. We need a spiritual power within us that we can pray our way through. We need some spiritual power that will bring us around and change attitudes. We need some Holy Ghost power that will change the world in the name of Jesus. Oh, God was talking to a young man from an insignificant family. And at this time, a frightened young man trying to get a little bit of grain by secretly threshing. In other words, he was down in the pit at the wine press hiding out with the Midianites, John. So Gideon is wondering, why would you send me to defeat the Midianites? And here I am in hiding. How many of us in hiding? We hide in our jobs. We hide in our families. We hide in our health. We hide in our children. We hide in where we live. We hide in what we don't have. Just evaluate yourself the next time you give some excuses as to why you can't do anything for the Lord. Do you have enough faith to say yes to God in spite of your circumstances? Do you have enough faith to say, God, it's all right. I know Miss Margaret is saying she needs some sleep, Lord. We don't know when she's going to get it, but I believe she's going to get it in the name of Jesus. Because I believe that God wants her to get some rest at night so that she can be in her, her class again and teaching and rolling her hands and, and celebrating who she is. So Miss Margaret receives sleep in the name of Jesus. That God is going to give you 
Oh, come on. Do you believe that God can give her sleep? Come on. Do you believe that God? Can you believe God to do that? Because just because God doesn't do it right now does not mean that God is not going to do it. Miss Margaret, that's my prayer. And I'm praying every day that you will not sell out to doubt, but you will continue to pray for God to deliver you. How many of you right now need to be delivered from something? How many of you know what you need to be delivered from? Then right now you ought to ask the Holy Spirit to show you and teach you how to ask God to get over yourself and give it over to God. Because once we do, our lives will change. Once we get really grounded in the word of God, we will see the fruit we bear in the name of Jesus. If you are not bearing fruit, your diet is probably not right. Because when you have enough Jesus, you have enough vitamin B12 and enough iron and enough potassium to tick the world off. There's something about a relationship with Jesus that makes you speak when people don't want to hear. There's something about a relationship with Jesus that makes you want to shout when nobody else hears the word. There's something about a relationship with Jesus that energizes your body when your mind says, I can't, but I got to go in the name of Jesus. So what else? I know God loves me. What else? There are three specific steps here we must take to successfully access the boundless love of God. Gideon's story proves that when we are at our least, God is at his best. We must listen for the voice of God in all circumstances. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and my Savior. Some of us do not listen. Some of us do not listen. It's an art. You can't listen to me and talk to me at the same time to tell me why you disagree with me. Because if you're listening to me, you're not talking. And so every now and then, we need to have somebody pat us on the shoulder and say, you're supposed to be listening. And if you're listening, you hear everything that I say. I mean, have you ever been in conversation with somebody saying, and right in the middle of it, you say, oh, no, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I, I did not, you didn't even hear the whole comment of what the person was saying. You ever seen some husbands and wives and you go, well, I said such and such. I said, I thought you wanted chicken. No, I don't want chicken. I want fish. Well, I thought you said neck bones. I thought it was pork chop. Well, were you listening to me or not? Can I get an amen? You ever get that Bojangles and all you wanted was some flounder from the fish house? Sometimes we got to stop and listen. Listen. Listen for the voice of God. There's active listening, but you can look that up on your own. Secondly, we must always obey God's instructions. Oh, my God. You see, what I'm showing you now is not only do you have to listen, you have to obey. Oh, my God. 1 Samuel 15, 22. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agatha the king. And the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, but the best was devoted to our God. 
How many of us are truly obedient? Can I have three people? You see what I'm saying? Truly obedient. Meaning that you listen, and then you obey, and you follow through. If you're diabetic, and your blood sugar's already 600, why, did, why, why can't you figure that out? To realize that being obedient means that not only do I hear you, but I follow through to do what I've been instructed to do. Anybody in here been instructed to go witness or do something for the Lord and you've made excuses why you couldn't go? COVID has become the hot spot for everything, Pastor Joseph. Delta variant has become our answer for everything. You know, I can't be with those people because I might be exposed. I can't go over there because I might touch something that's not Holy Ghost driven. But we got to be in a position to listen to God and obey God. And many of us, all of us, need to understand our listening patterns. I hear God best when God makes me lay down and I don't feel good. And you know why? It works every time. I got your undivided attention now. So if you want to get rid of this headache and you want to move on with your life, then you need to listen to what it is I want you to do. Step three is we must trust God when he promises to wait for us. Gideon. Gideon walked away because he trusted God enough to know that God keeps his word. Can I get a witness? The Lord keeps his word. All I can tell you in my 70 years is that the Lord is faithful. Did I get everything by FedEx? No. Did I get everything by Amazon? No. Did I get things sometime from the post office? Yes. Did it take a long, long time? Yes. Because there are some things that I prayed about 25, 30 years ago, and I'm seeing the blessing right now because God does bless you in due season. So why are you waiting on the Lord? Don't dictate when God is going to answer your prayer. But if you listen, if you obey, and if you trust the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, then you can count on God. Trust. What is it? Trust is being sure, positive. Can you be trusted? I wish everybody could be pastor a week. And I wish you had to play worship every week. And I wish you could just say, Lord, I trust you to bring all the volunteers and the men are going to show up, that the, uh, the, uh, that the uh, multimedia team is going to show. So you can't do God's work without trusting God because God is the one who will move to get the people to do what they don't want to do in the name of Jesus. So you can't keep calling them and reminding them at some point, you got to get on your knees and pray and say, Lord, I need a miracle from you in the morning. Lord, somebody's going to break up with me overnight and they're not going to show up, but I know you are God of miracles, signs, and wonders. And this takes Holy Ghost power. To go to God and say, I know what I see, but I know what I believe. I know what I see. And Gideon kept trying to have more men that he needed. If you want to see the end of the story, go to chapter 7. But anyway, he would come back and God kept saying to Gideon, no, you got too many. You don't need a large troop. You just need the right people in the troop. 
You see, our church is, is, is what it is because there are some people who love the Lord enough to do the right thing at the right time with the right attitude, with the right skills, and the right time. We're not here because everybody did the right thing. We're here because God is faithful. So Jesus Christ is the same today and yesterday and forever. What else? Listen. What else? Be obedient. What else? Trust God. If God says you're going to have it, you're going to have it. If God says you're going to be reconciled, you're going to be reconciled. If God says you're going to be healed, then you can expect a healing from God. If God says that you're going to get out of prison, even if you put yourself there emotionally, then you can believe that you have been set free in the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul, I really like because, you know, he was so human. He was a murderer. Can you imagine if you were evangelizing or witnessing to someone and you would say, you know what, I used to be a drunk. And I used to drink too much. But God dried me out, cleaned me up, and here I am. Therefore, people can't hold that over your head anymore because it's no secret anymore. And so what we have to do is realize who we are, and we have to realize how the enemy plays games with us because as long as we stay in hiding, then we're not doing anything from the Lord. And once you come out of hiding, then God can use you because God can take your circumstances and let you bear witness to somebody else, hallelujah, who needs to be saved. The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians that even in chapter 6, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. And Paul says, but I refrain. So no one would think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Uh, because of these surpassing great revelations, then Paul goes on to say, therefore, to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. You have one, and I have four or five, too. But God gives us the thorn in our flesh to remind us that we need God to be victorious. So everybody in your not life was not placed in your life to make you feel good. Sometimes people are placed in our lives to challenge us so that we can grow in the spirit and say, Lord, if this is the way it's going to be, then I'm going to serve you until I die. So Paul said that I, I, I said that, oh, no, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect, hallelujah, in weakness. Have you ever heard the Lord say, my grace is sufficient for you? My grace is sufficient for you? I wish I could sing, but I can't. Because God knew that I would be on the road trying to sing somewhere. But God also knows that I, I can't dance either. So how can you go anywhere with no rhythm and no voice? So the Lord took what he could and made a little bit out of me. But you know what? 
I've realized that God's grace is sufficient. And I realized that once I've turned things over to God and I have turned over my whole life to God, my husband, my house, my family, my church, my car, everything belongs to God. And I check in every day, all day and say, Lord, are we on track? Lord, are we where you want us to be? But Paul says that my grace is sufficient. He said, because in my weakness, I was strong. When the enemy thought he had taken me out, I was strong. And my iron and potassium showed up in my blood work. I was strong because I had the Holy Spirit coaching me at no cost at all. I was strong because I know where my power comes from. Recently, Lee Williams died. And there was a singer Sounds like the men of Pleasant Grove. You, Lee Williams, you heard of Lee Williams? Everybody in Alabama heard of Lee Williams. Mississippi, fix it, Jesus, fix it, like you said you would. I didn't know until a few weeks ago that Lee Williams and the Williams brothers were two different groups. And then my sister Carolyn got me straight, and she said, well, Lee Williams sing with the spiritual jubilees, and the Williams brothers are another group altogether. Why don't you know that? And I said, because I really hadn't read anything about it, but thank you very much. I had a CD. And there's a song on the CD. It's called, You Bless Me Still. You brought me over the rugged hill. You were my guiding light. But that was so clear. Although I failed sometimes to do your will, you did not leave me, but you blessed me still. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You were there when I strayed away. You had mercy on me when I failed to pray. You guided my footsteps day by day. You blessed me in spite of my shortcomings. You blessed me in spite of my attitude. You blessed me in spite of my arrogance. You blessed me in spite of my neglect. You guided my footsteps day to day, oh God, and you kept your arms around me when I couldn't do anything for myself so when you get to the point that you realize that we are here because of God's unconditional love we are here because God has given us a safety net through Jesus we are here because God's word is true we are here because we got to trust God we are here because God is trustworthy we are here because God can do anything but fail we are here because God loves us. And we are here to introduce others to Almighty God. Oh, did God bless you. I don't know about you, but you bless me, Lord. In spite of my attitude, you bless me, Lord. In spite of my complaining, you bless me, Lord. Because I cheated you over and over again, but you just bless me, Lord. You bless my mama. You bless my daddy. You bless my family. You bless my children. You deliver them from drugs and alcohol. In spite of. In spite of. Oh, Lord, right now, in spite of. In spite of our lack of obedience, oh God, 
in spite of our inability to listen. Oh my God, you have kept us, Lord. Day by day, you have kept us, Lord. You have kept us down through the years, oh God. And we bless your holy name, oh Lord. Had it not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? Thank God right now for his unconditional Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.